plus minus. Tim Kawakami deserves all the credit. Plus minus. That is a word right there. <laughs> <laughs> What'd you say? Plus minus. Yeah, like, like you, Marcus Thompson. Marcus always tell the truth. Plus minus. The only thing that I would say to Ethan Strauss is that he's a pretty damn good reporter. Um, he's well plus respected. Minus. I think he got the highest plus minus in the season in NBA history. We have changed the name of Warriors Plus Minus to the Steve Kerr Knows What He's Doing podcast featuring Brad Wanamaker haters, Jordan Poole haters, and a bunch of people who have spent the year questioning Steve Kerr. The chief Steve Kerr questioner is Ethan Strauss, author what? of Victory Machine. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe. I don't know. I mean, just compared to Warriors Twitter, I'm a Steve Kerr apologist. My word. <laughs> There you we, go. We all are compared to Warriors Twitter. Jumpy Warriors Twitter. Superstar uh, Anthony Slater in the building. And we've got renowned, renowned columnist and Oakland Athletics ownership critic Tim Kawakami <laughs> in the building. My guys, uh, my guys, my guys. <laughs> we were supposed to record this podcast on, not supposed to, but we traditionally record on Tuesday. But we decided to push it to Wednesday to get the second in of the back-to-back how different would this podcast be if we did indeed record on Tuesday? Because it feels like the narrative changes game to game. Why don't you go listen to me and Ethan's uh, post game? <laughs> I don't want to do that. Don't want to do that. All eighty two episode yeah. with Ethan. I mean, we've rehired Steve. We fired him after the first Spurs game, and now we have rehired him after the second one. So it has been quite the correction. I mean, we're twenty five games in, and this is still a yo yo. Like every game is different, so we're not tired. I thought we waited till Wednesday so we could get this G League Ignite Santa Cruz Warriors live live on. commentary live commentary. I just Kuminga just got to the rim. He has nineteen. Uh, you know, and the and the Wolves are still bad. Breaking news for all of you uh, Nico Mannion fans: Word is he still cannot shoot. He has like six turnovers. I'm actually watching him. He better uh, hit a couple. He's taking like fifteen shots. I heard he's locking up uh, Jalen Green though. I saw that on Twitter. I. Took my kid to daycare, so I missed the game. But that's what I saw. That's what we're going off of. Now I'm watching live. Kuminga certainly looks like a better prospect than uh, Jalen Green at this early, early stage. Jeremy Lin out here, Jared Jack. It's, it's a weird mix of like retired NBA players. and Yeah, there was an Amir Johnson sighting. I was like, whoa. Bobby Brown. It looks like the old Charlie Rose backdrop where it's just pitch blackness around the court right now. It's a very strange effect they have for the G League. It's game. a bubble. It's a bubble. It's a bubble. It's the same court they played uh, the but bubble. Yeah, they didn't, obviously didn't bring the NBA bubble lighting to it, though. It's like I'm struggling to see, to see these players, but maybe that's just my bad eyesight. But Let's talk Warriors. Uh, G League plus minus here, or are we talking, we're talking Warriors? The 13 and 12 Warriors, yes, who have not been two, more than two games over or two games under 500 at any point this season their plus minus is almost equal on the season to me Steph Curry's the topic of the week though for the last 10 days at least he has been the best player in the NBA MVP stock man I, it's really still plus 1100 you would not buy it no because yeah they want to be you got to be a top three four seed I think I've to, got to a get. strong argument against it these other guys rated above him I mean they're not winning MVP. They're not going to have a shot at it. LeBron, no, no, no. MVP? LeBron, LeBron, yes. Yeah. LeBron is the best <laughs> shot. I'm talking about the guys, the between LeBron and Steph. Have you seen Joel Embiid's like stat line this year and like the Sixers are the top seed in the East? 
have you seen a center win MVP in 20 years? One who's I, shooting 39% from three, who's getting to the line 12 times a game and hitting 85% of those free throws. He's got an unbelievable defensive case. Uh, yeah, and he's the one seed in the East. Yeah, I think Joel Embiid has a chance. Okay, I'll rephrase. Have you seen Joel Embiid play uh, a full NBA season? Because I have not seen that either. I agree with you if we're talking Jokic. I don't with Embiid. He has name recognition. He's got three levels scoring. Joel Embiid certainly has a shot at MVP. I'm not... I'm not disagreeing with that. I just don't think he has a better shot than Steph Curry does. Not based on the history of the award, not based on just name brand. Uh, It's just, I think that we're doing something right now at the beginning of this whole race where we're looking at the seeding and and the stats and we're just going, okay, here it is. Here's the ranking of it. But this is a narrative award and I just doesn't go to the big guy. It just doesn't. It never happens. Embiid transcends big guys. Yeah, but what big guy should have gone to in the last 20 years? Anthony Davis? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> a lot of people think Shaq should have beat Steve Nash. Yeah, but, I mean, Kobe won one of those in there. I mean, I'm sorry, Steve beat Steve Nash beat, beat out Kobe for one of those two. Dwight Howard over Derrick Rose, people think, should have happened. Yeah, uh, that's I mean, another again, one. Embiid's having a better season than Dwight. I mean, they, this is this is a East Coast. Well, again, we're, let's, let's talk Warriors at some point, but... I think Embiid is way up there. I think LeBron is going is w- number one by a lot, and I think Embiid is well. Number to two to wrap it we'll back see. to Warriors, what seed would the Warriors have to get? Because you could you could dismiss seeding, but if, if the Warriors are like the six or seven seed, he's not getting it. Like he's no, just not. But if you get in the mid, why doesn't he get the Russell Westbrook love? Because he doesn't get triple double. First of all, everyone still criticizes the Westbrook, you know, pick to the point As they that should. I, yeah, I mean, but he still got the trophy. <laughs> he still got the trophy. Okay, Marcus, I'll ask you, like, let's say you're an MVP voter. What record do the Warriors have to have? What seed do they have to have for you to even consider them? To consider them? If they make the playoffs, <laughs> I mean, to consider them, it'd be tough to put them over Embiid and LeBron if all things stay exactly how they are, right? I mean, I do think Philly coming out of the East after the Brooklyn you know, soup their team up and you still have Boston and you still have Milwaukee who did make a trade, right? And had owned the East. For Philly to come out the East would be pretty significant, right? Like it, it, it will be because Joel Embiid raised this game. So that would be tough to overlook if it stays. Anywhere above a six seed, I would say, it almost, and that, that's going to be tough, yo. Like if Steph is a five or four seed with this team, I don't know how you not give it to him. Like, I just don't know how. Six seed, if you give him a six seed and this dude averages the same numbers he averaged in 2015-16 when he was United MVP, it's going to be tough to not give it to him. Well, it depends on who he's going against. I mean, LeBron is building a strong case, particularly because Anthony Davis is not having a very good season, yet the Lakers are the best team in the league. So it's like depends on who he's going against. It does. I guess it comes down to, do you think Philly is going to maintain the number one seed? Uh, it seems like they, in point differential, are way behind the Bucks. so maybe one might think the Bucks are going to catch up to them. And Joel Embiid, I don't think he's ever played over 65 games in a season. I mean, it would be fairly unprecedented for him to play enough, and it's a shorter season, so that changes things. So that's one thing to consider right there, in addition to how big men never win it. Um, and I, I do think the main competition is LeBron. And I do think that this is, this is the preliminary and Steph, if he gets to that mid table, as Marcus is saying, maybe he won't win it, but God damn it. He will deserve it with this roster. If he gets to a mid table seed, I will put that out there. Agree or disagree. 
maybe sets himself up to be the MVP next season. <laughs> like I, I'm saying, like if they could continue this into next season and and they're the two seed next season with a healthy roster, presumably they are. I think we're looking at that. That's what I think. This is this is setting it up for that second stage, like kind of LeBron has done the last few years. This is the second stage of the Curry like greatness. And that's a compelling story. It doesn't have to be just this season. If he if he just keeps going like this, if he looks this strong and this capable and maybe plays 37 minutes instead of 34 minutes. It's illegal, I, I th- sir. He can't yeah. do that. I, I think, and then, you know, gets, let's say they get around this season. I don't, I, I just don't think he's going to win the MVP because they're, they're not good enough for a guy who's already won two MVPs. You know, we talk about the narrative or the storyline, whatever. Westbrook won it because people felt like, oh, maybe he deserved it last season. Or they were 47 great, you know? and 35 that season, too, yeah, by too, the way. Yeah, like, they weren't bad. They weren't bad at all. So it's going to be tough. I don't think, the, you know, the Warriors are, you know, it's hard to figure out the math in, in a 72-game season. But if they're like a 50-win team, whatever that, equ- 45 wins this season, however that, that equals out to, I give it a shot. But I think this is setting up for next season. Like It kind of takes a season to kind of restart the, the thought process, and I, I would say let's let's look at this being the developmental season, not just for the Warriors, but for for Steph Curry, like once again being considered one of the top two players in the league. They kind of kind of went away for a little bit. I, I think this is beginning that conversation, beginning that groundswell. And you know we're watching them every night, and if you're watching them every night, you gotta go, there's nobody who affects games like this, nobody. And and it's like 2015, 16, and that is amazing. Out of a 30, guy's gonna turn 33 pretty soon. Well, that's the the larger story of this beyond like you know awards that don't necessarily matter that much. It's that he has shown. I think to us, to the world, that like he might have an elongated prime ahead of him. You take my mind back a month or two, I was more concerned about the tightness of this title window. When do you think a fall-off's coming the way he's keeping himself in shape? And, and, and I agree, the, Steve keeps framing it of like how he looks stronger physically. He does. Go look at his unanimous MVP season. He's much skinnier. He's been compared to Nash in, in the past. In my recent piece, I didn't do it. Just because I've done it before, maybe I should have done it again. You know, physically about this, you know, very similar physical traits. You know, very graceful versus powerful, uh, where you don't need the speed so much as you need the cutting and you need the you know the vision. You need kind of the endurance and not kind of. You absolutely need the endurance. And Nash was what 35, 36, and still in, still winning assist titles. I think we can look to Steph for three more years of maybe not this peak. And maybe not this peak doesn't last the entire season, by the way. Who knows? But just by doing this for the last 10 games, it's amazing. No one else does it like this. And I think you can look at Steph having a career peak for the next two to three seasons. And that elongates the Warriors title window immensely because you're wondering if, if clay gets hurt that's it it's done right i mean weren't wasn't that the conversation it's over it is over they, they, they were terrible last season clay thompson's hurt again it draymond's sinking who knows with steph it's over that conversation i think is changing on a dime uh, in the last 10 games because steph curry is playing this well he imagined him next to clay thompson with two draft picks with a growing james wiseman um that that really for me changes the picture for the Warriors looking to uh to past comparisons where Reggie Miller Steve Nash Ray Allen still pretty good efficient into age 35 36 but if you buy the idea that shooting is the ultimate elongator 
for a career and Steph is the best at it, maybe, just maybe, we're underselling his ability to be something like a point guard Tom Brady. That is a possibility, I think, without knowing what's going to happen. I've been most impressed with the around-the-rim stuff by him. is ridiculous. We almost take it for granted. Everybody was paying attention to that insane over-the-head layup that he had, that and one. Uh, but there was a play shortly after it that I found as impressive almost where he's just full speed back down the court and Euro steps a ball fake simultaneously Euro step ball fake towards Bazemore in the corner then splits two defenders and then ducks in a finish uh, with the right hand on the right side of the basket scoop layup and he just does that seamlessly it's just insane the skill level right now that he is demonstrating in addition to the three-point stuff that's become his calling card. He's taking the bump so much better. He's taking Mark. I mean, he he's something he's done something to his body. It doesn't look that different, but he takes contact so much better at the rim now, and it just doesn't knock him off stride. It's almost like he seeks it out and then absorbs it and then c- completes the play and often gets the end one. And, and that is a major, major thing for him moving you know, over the next three, four years, I think, being able to take the contact and almost seek it out. What's crazy to me is you can't stay in front of this dude. And it's not taking him you know, this like street ball crossover move to get by the guy. Like it's one, two, boom, and he is gone. I've been kind of tracking this from – Early in the season, like because it was, uh, I think it was the 62 game, and they put Covington on him, and he was just blowing by Covington. I'm like, yeah, that dude's supposed to be a pretty good defender, but like, if you just watch, he gets by his man so easy. He's gone. He's like, I'm deciding, and then that's it. One, two dribbles, he gets that shoulder down, and he's past his man and in the teeth of the defense, which is why I think, you know, hey, take that mid range, and his mid range numbers are ridiculous but like the fact that he can do that efficiently and not need to actually lose his defender with a crossover but just beat him i think it's been huge for his game you know why that might be happening it might be a a weird benefit to all the attention that he's getting where in the past yeah they didn't want to give up a three to steph and they emphasized it but they were worried about him knifing in and then hitting clay hitting kd for an easy shot now it is so overly emphasized by all of these teams to not let Steph get a three that's task number one task number two task number three you looked at Popovich where he's calling timeouts after any positive Steph play it seemed like and I think that's allowing Steph to leverage that threat and to more easily get to the rim because it's so emphasized that he can use the jiu-jitsu of it to get shots in the paint so it's he's using the attention against these defenses right now they are using the attention more the gravity has never been leveraged better because like you said hold on hold on hold on we gotta pause that was a pretty good segue Slater, that was elite level transition you just made. I think we need to honor anticipating that. The, the, I, the coverage. Just like <laughs> number I, li- I like that, Slater. I know you just wrote about it. Like I'm acknowledging how great that was. Carry well, on. <laughs> thank you. You know how hard it is in the NBA against a set defense to get an open dunk, just a wide open dunk with nobody around, not contested at all. They did it in the half court ten times off Steph Curry attention during this road trip. He's just running near 
teammates and their defender who's told, as Ethan said on the scouting report, if Steph Curry's near you, uh, watch him off the ball, watch him on every down screen. And, you know, these are defenders that are not used to this, right? They're, they're just randomly playing him on February and they're told this in the hours leading up. So they're freaking out about it. And they're like, well, I'm guarding Juan Toscano Anderson. I'm guarding Kent Bazemore, whatever. Like I am told, like, get out on him. And the Warriors, this coaching staff and this team is getting more used to it, right? This is what we were kind of criticizing early in the season. They didn't really know how to leverage that. They're starting to. It's four or five, six times a game. Now they're just getting wide open dunks in the half court, which is so rare. And they're running pet sets. I put one of those in where they're doing this. Ubre doesn't really understand the off-ball fluid slip as well as some of the other wings. But they're now doing this set where he'll come up and set a back screen on Ubre's guy when Draymond has the ball and Ubre just slips for an alley-oop, which he's, you know, he's a great alley-oop target. And that's getting them a dunk a game in a half court setting. So you can credit Steph Curry with all of this, right? I mean, they're not his points, they're not his assists, but as we as we tally up his his points impact, you got to add another eight, ten per game, basically. Here's a question: Is this happening largely because there are no centers on the floor? I think it's a help, but not really. Uh, I think it's happening more because they're starting to these wings are starting to realize, oh, I should slip there. I mean, one thing I will say: Toscano Anderson playing more has mattered. If you look, he's getting he's got six of the ten probably. I think you could run that play that they ran for Ubre for Wiseman. You know, go back screen a big and, and let Wiseman slip for an alley. But I'm sure they will implement that. I mean, I mean, I think it's some of it, but. I just think it's a team getting more comfortable and a coaching staff getting more comfortable with, hey, they don't respect any of the other players. Let's start using that to our advantage. It's a little bit like reminds me what the Thunder did with Robertson against the Warriors. Remember that during that when they went up 3-1? Billy Donovan went, they are ignoring him so much, we need to use him. Instead of being like, yeah, they're ignoring him. Ah, man, that stinks. Like We still can't really use Andre Robertson. They went up 3-1 because they're like, we need to find ways to use that disrespect against... Well, he was crashing the glass because there was nobody nobody in front of him. So he would just go right to he the offensive rim. killing him, too. Yeah, right to the offensive rim. I mean, Toscano Anderson scored like 10 a game right now off, you know, nothing. Toscano Anderson's going to play when the centers come back. I don't think there's a question about it. He knows what he's doing. He, he like, yeah, again, they, they, how many times does Steph and Draymond let him bring the ball up? I mean, that's that's telling to me. Like, they let some people, whatever, it's, you know, Wiggins will even bring it up sometimes if Steph, Steph's getting pressure. But how many times are they just handing the ball to Toscano Anderson and then they go into their own action? That's a real confidence in a young, well, not a young player, but a player who hasn't been in the NBA. That's a sense that he knows what he's doing with the ball. He can cut where he's supposed to cut. He can run where he's supposed to run. He can pass it where he's supposed to pass. He's going to keep playing. I, I, it's gonna, you know, I don't know exactly where the minutes are going to be, but that guy play plays in a way that accentuates Steph Curry, and that is the goal for this Warriors team. It will be the goal, has been the goal, and will be the goal for, for many seasons to go. Let's talk about the roster spot then. You know, this is a team with playoff aspirations. You cannot play two-way guys in the playoffs. If we believe he's going to be a rotation guy this season, potentially even in the next season, they must clear a uh, roster spot for him. There's a guy in the G League who's not playing right now uh, who has a roster spot. Steve said that's not what the season is about, Anthony. It's about Alan Smilagich and his development is what the season is all about. Yeah, that's not chasing wins comment didn't really win Twitter. No, right that now. was we'll, we can get into that. that that's, we yeah. should get into that. I, I just want to explain the roster spot thing quick. They can really wait on this. There's a lot of people like, you know, JTA is playing well right now. They're like, you know, make the move. I believe they're going to let this G League bubble play out. Smiley is probably going to get at least, I would say, 10 games in if he stays healthy. I think they want to take this to its more logical conclusion later in the season, see if the, he shows anything. And then if he doesn't, by the time you get in 
towards the end of the season, you know, you're probably were thinking about maybe cutting him in the offseason anyway. So you don't need to add Toscano Anderson until he runs out of games, and the limit is 50 games, and that'll be very late in the season. Yeah, they got plenty of time. They got plenty. I mean, they did what they did. Queen Cook, what, like the final game of the season? So they got plenty of time. But it's something to look at. Mulder would be the other one, the non-guaranteed contract. He's but, playing right now. Yeah, he's playing, and he's in you know in the rotation. He can hit a three or two. Uh, I think it's got to be. If, if it's Toscana Anderson, mostly for the position, mostly just for, for viability into the future, I think it's Milan Geach. They don't have to make the decision, but they go into the playoffs. Who's going to play minutes? Want Scott Anderson or Alan Smiley-Geach. It's not even close. So uh, I, they got to look at it. They got some time, but that's got to be the move if you're asking me. So See, let's smile. let's discuss some. Yeah, no, no smile. Let's discuss Same some of smile. the uh, Steve Kerr versus the Warriors fan base, which has been a very interesting development. I will say, I do think fans are being reasonable, right? Uh, I, I, there's there's kind of this you know inclination to like dismiss you know what people are complaining about on social media, and but I will say for this fan base it's not crazy to be asking these questions. It's not crazy to think there's, there's another way to approach this. Uh, I don't think Steve Kerr is wrong, but I mean, an engaged fan base that's talking about hoop. Like this is what it's about. I was glad Steph said that last night. Like yeah, people are plugged in. There's no fans at the games, but they're tuned in. Every move is being <laughs> heavily discussed. So I do think that's good. And I think, I think they're reasonable. I don't know. I, I get the feeling that Steve is like, man, won't y'all just shut up and let me coach? <laughs> Collectively, I think it's generally somewhat reasonable. I mean, of course, there's people that are, you know, going ballistic about every move that it, sometimes it's irrational. I mean, look, we just the minute thing I thought was a, you know, I wrote about it. So I certainly thought it was like a fair thing to, I don't criticize you want to say, but I, again, I keep thinking about Portland and Lillard, and I don't think that the, the Warriors should chase a season kind of like Portland does sometimes with Lillard and, and plays him like 45 minutes at times late in the season. But I looked at his game log. He played a 40-minute game in a close win, a 42-minute game in a close win, 43-minute. Like sometimes Portland goes, look, yeah, this is only going to get them the five seed. Yeah, Portland's not going to win the title this year, but they will let Lillard, when he's on, when he's on one of his hot streaks, go a little bit longer and just go steal a win away from Atlanta, steal a win away from Toronto. And they typically have a, you know, five more wins at the end of the season because of that. And I, I thought that the other night with the way Steph is playing, he probably should have come back in at the 830 mark when they called a timeout after Patty Mills. Instead, he ended up not coming in until 530. I know he got off the bench at like seven, but that's three minutes of, uh, that probably lost them that game, which I agree in general with Steve Kerr's point. I'm not sure he should be saying it publicly to the fan base, but at the same time, like it's nice to grab a win here and there. I'm not saying play him 38 minutes a night, but there's selective times you can. It's a contradictory message to say he looks as strong as I've ever seen him, but we can't play him 35 minutes. Like it's got to be 34. Like, oh, he's never been better, but we got to keep him down. Like if you're a fan base and you're watching this, this dude looks amazing. And in two minutes more of Steph Curry, like it actually impacts the game. Like nobody's watching that thinking, eh, two minutes won't do anything. Like, yo, you're watching this 
and it you makes perfect two sense. Two minutes of Brad Wanamaker does is positive. <laughs> well, the impact's that's the, game. the that's the yeah that's the problem right that's the problem. It's not Sean Livingston he's coming in it, it, who who he would be stepping out for. That Brad is Wanamaker. the problem, right? <laughs> and that's what Steph said, and I agree that if you're talking about his minute totals, it's the wrong conversation. The problem is what's going on around him. They should be able to rest him and not fall apart completely. I have no problem with his minute totals. I do believe in playing the long game. I do think this is how you preserve somebody. I think Lillard is younger. This is how they preserve the San Antonio Spurs core is by cutting their minute totals to around 33, 32 minutes. I think to maintain that, that greatness, that's what you have to do. And yeah, you might lose some games. So I have no problem with that. I don't think Steve should have said the chasing wins comment. And that's almost contradictory because I like candor and I recognize that it's hard to talk extemporaneously and have your words analyzed and everything else. But it just seems like that is that is not the message that fans who are invested in the season want to hear. I think the message should be, we're trying to win, we're trying to get into the playoffs, and yeah, we have a broader view, but part of us building is trying to make the playoffs with what we have. That's probably more the message if he could have workshopped it that he should convey to the fan base versus the sense of it's not even about wins. That's not, that's not really what you want to be saying. Yeah, I, I mean, I get it. And he meant to say the, the Lillard thing, what, what Slater was saying. Like, you know, you get one or two, and then what's the cost on the back end? He didn't say it that way. But you know, as I said during this whole controversy, you know, how many playoff series have the Warriors fans laughed at James Harden wearing out, you know, at the end of the series because he's played so many minutes during the regular season. He played so many minutes in the, in the first round. He played so many, I mean, many minutes. I mean, but ain't that you know, kind of a it, false it, equivalency to well, him, no, though? I mean, I mean, no, I mean, I, I think it's part of the, it's part of the larger picture. Poison's determined by the dose is what Marcus No, I'm just saying, like, the difference between 38 <laughs> minutes and what Harden was doing, there's a pretty wide gap, <laughs> No right? question, like, no question. But it's, it's still the same idea. Steve Kerr and, and Steph Curry, and I think believe Steph's part of this, have picked out numbers where they want him to be. And I'll just say this. Is it possible that he's so strong and he's so effective, maybe partly because he doesn't play a ton of minutes? Is that is Could that be possibly true? Uh, I of think course it is. It is. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. it is. So, so, you know, it's like, I think he knows yes. that too. Exactly, and I, I don't. I just don't know. Yeah, could could I see an extra minute and a half or two? Absolutely, and sometimes I do wonder, you know, why Kirk keeps to this so religiously. He did want him in about the seven minute mark that that, that game. The game went on. He should have called timeout. He usually does. I don't know why he didn't call timeout. Uh, there was a. It was kind of a back and forth, up and down. It wasn't like they lost a ton of points in those minutes, but they lost maybe two, three points, uh, which does matter. But I do think it's like. Kerr has had the benefit of being able to play the long game throughout his time here. No question. He's had the benefit of it. He's going to keep doing it. He's going to keep doing it because it's worked out for him most times. And it keeps Brad Wanamaker from thinking, I'm not crap. My coach you know, still wants me to play. It keeps Andrew Wiggins thinking, they do think for five minutes at a time, I can be the best player on the floor. Sometimes these are wrong assumptions. Some things, sometimes these don't. It's clear that's so what great. it's about, though. Yeah, but right? that, it, that, that's what Kerr's whole coaching is about. Like, I can't believe that Steph Curry is going to do this in a 
third round in a Western Conference Finals, it's just not going to, I can't, I got to believe I can get Leandro Barbosa to make three shots. I got to believe that David West is going to make three great passes in the third quarter, in the fourth quarter, that's going to make a difference. I've got to, and I've got to make them believe this. I can't be think, telling them, and you know, I would say Cleveland did this with LeBron in, in a couple of those series. Like, you guys are so terrible. We've got to play LeBron 46 minutes. And that's what he did play. Kerr has completely committed to this again he's had the you know ability to because he had great players it's a hard thing to keep continuing to discuss just because there's so many layers to it but uh, i completely understand it i think i know again it could be more minutes but it's going to stick to this philosophy and i think it's it's turned out very well and i think one of the reasons why curry is having this renaissance if we can call it that partly it's, it's all the time off that he had last season i don't think there's a question about that so let, let's see how it, it goes as this as this you know it piles up minute after minute after minute after game after game but partly that but also because they have been so determined to make sure he's not playing 38 40 minutes a game i just think that's it's part of the conversation. i just don't think that's the conversation i think that's a little bit uh disingenuous to say that people are asking for Seth to play 40 minutes i don't think that's the issue at all they're saying go chase the spurs win Go chase the Spurs. When yes, it's there. That's it's what they're there. saying. Like, yo, it's right. You know, everybody can feel when you need Steph back in the game. He felt everybody's you see watching. Him stand up yes. on the bench and go, yo, are you seeing this? Are you seeing this run happening right now? They're watching every other team do the exact same thing. It's not. It's not. It's not like yo, go play forty minutes. It's thirty-eight this game. People don't understand why it matters to play the entire first quarter and sit six minutes in the fourth. That's not a connection that basketball fans are going to make if you watch the NBA. That is not how anybody in the NBA treats the game. I don't think it's it's either this or you run them into the ground. That's not what anybody's saying. I think the question is, the team is different. The situation is different. So the plan could be a little different. I think that's, I think that's a very reasonable. It's reasonable, but once you start chasing, you get hooked on it, and suddenly the minute totals are going to get out of whack. We will be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Well, that's what the money's for. Figure it out. <laughs> he doesn't play the same kind of style. A, he's not as durable. He's not as big. He doesn't play the same sort of style as some of these other superstars who sometimes rest on offense. Sometimes LeBron James rests on offense, as Brian Windhorst has said. Sometimes James Harden does it on certain possessions. Steph is going throughout the entire possession sprinting. I just think it's smarter overall to keep it in that 33-minute neighborhood I don't think it's the, an unreasonable opinion to think it should be upped if a win is in your midst, but it's just not something that I personally have an issue with. I think the issues are elsewhere. I think that's not the argument. I don't think anybody is saying play Steph more minutes. I just don't think anybody's saying, no, anybody reasonable. People are saying, why does he have to sit for six minutes in the fourth? That's the question. I mean, again, I, I get that point, but Kerr started him in the fourth quarter a couple times this this season, right? He, he tried to get a couple minutes there. I don't think he says, I cannot play him 
more than six minutes in the fourth quarter. At times he has. He's tried. He's done it the other way though. He started him in the fourth quarter and played him a minute. You know, try to get two, three possessions that way, and put him right back into the sixth minute. So he did play him extra. He wasn't made, waiting until the four and a half minute uh, mark in, in those games. It's a number. You just the, the number might be too low. It might be just right. But at some point, I agree with Ethan. You got to have a number in your head. You do have to do that, or else you're going to start pushing it to 38. To 30. What, what, what if some game? And and by the way, in a season, they're not going to win a championship. I think that is, and, and fans don't want to hear that. But it's they're not going to win a championship if it's if it's deciding whether they're going to be the one or two seed and play Game Seven against the Lakers here or Staples Center. Different question. That is not what this is about. And even if they miss the playoffs, so this franchise can survive that. I agree, but I I do think there's a sense of like stop telling us this season doesn't matter because <laughs> oh yeah they have they have to sit there and watch it and like you know what they haven't seen winning basketball since June of 2019 like hey guess what the Blazers haven't won a title will never win a title do you think Portland fans are like the Damian Lillard era was meaningless it was empty no they love those seasons they love those 47 win seasons they love chasing into the second round they love they love getting swept it. in the West Finals yeah exactly <laughs> they love it well, honestly they, I would I bet if you ask that Portland fan base that season is very memorable to them no question we got to the West finals with this team and this is a fan base that yes they got used to that championship taste but also dealt with one of the most dull seasons in NBA history last year 15 and 50 and then a pandemic stops the season for nine months they're watching yeah I think we have we all agree that Steph Curry has now proven that he's probably going to be this type of Steph Curry for a couple more seasons you know every single game that Steph Curry plays is one less game they're going to get to see Steph Curry at this level and and I just think that, understandably, there's like a, hey, just stop messaging out to us how much this season doesn't matter, even if internally there's an understanding. We're all in agreement on that one. That should not be the messaging. The messaging should be we're trying to make the playoffs, and this is part of us trying to get to the playoffs, is to not be penny-wise pound-foolish, that we are investing in us having the best Steph Curry every single game by keeping the minutes at this particular level and it is helping what we're trying to do i agree with you it should be conveyed to the fans i think in the overall broad scope of we're analyzing kerr and we're trying to come up with an assessment this season's in within the expectations i think we had in this podcast it is right now a top 10 defense which is something that we guessed it would be and it is you know a, a mediocre struggle. offense, <laughs> yeah. which is what we also guessed it would be. I can't remember what the offense is. Is it ranked 18? Something like that. Right it's now? right around there. Yeah, it'll bounce around. But this is more or less what we thought it would be. And if you told us that Draymond would have really uh, been struggling offensively in the way he has been last season, then maybe even it's above the expectations we might have had. So it's just hard for me to look at this thing broadly and go, oh my God, fire Steve Kerr. It, it more or less is what we expected. Anybody saying fire Steve Kerr just probably well, a few people, not be in a people, conversation. People, yeah, are. I agree with that. But can I just say how ridiculous it is that they are the seventh-ranked defense in the league with a 109-1 defensive rating and just the state of the NBA where it's I'm looking crazy. right now at the uh, 2015-16 season, which was the unanimous MVP season, which was uh, you know the 73-win Warrior season. 109.1 would have been 28th in basketball only ahead of two teams uh now it is seventh i mean it's just kind of the state of basketball well, we've, seen, we, we've seen some of these games that the Warriors have played against teams i mean it's some of these defense the dallas defense that first game oh my was God. unbelievable and and we're just seeing teams play faster with worse defense so when you're playing fast with bad defense uh those numbers are going to be really bad and the, and the efficiency 
the defensive efficiency is just getting walloped right now. I think some of these fringe NBA players, you take 20,000 people out of the arena, suddenly it gets a lot easier. That's a factor. When guys walk in and there's an entire arena full of people watching their every move, I do think some of the players, some of these role players might be doing a lot better shooting-wise. And we saw that in the bubble as well in the playoffs. Uh, I think that potentially be a factor. Maybe we should start thinking about is some of it fool's gold when certain guys are going off, right? Maybe it won't repeat. But yeah, it's been a bad defensive year overall it's maybe something the nba has got to look into if it keeps going because this is a whole other conversation i think there's a platonic ideal of what fans expect a game should be and it's more in that neighborhood of 100 i think once it's 150 to 143 it starts it starts feeling like a possession is devalued and it's a little bit goofy i didn't know the warriors were top 10 right now or top seven uh i wouldn't have thought that just from the eye test i mean they, they have some good games but they have some not good games also. No, because your eye tells you a 109 rating, which is what it feels like they have, is like not top 10 level. But it just is now. They were terrible against Boston. They've been terrible some other games. But so it goes. Yeah, you, you rank where you rank. And, you know, that's why Kelly Oubre's playing. You know, I mean, he's making some shots now, but he is somebody. Who, yeah. Wiggins remain like, he's having a, just a really good defensive season. He yeah, didn't have Wiggins, that great Wiggins and Oubre, those, you know, those wings that bug the other team in multiple positions, like get into passing lanes, just so valuable, even when they're not making shots all the time. And they close to clearly haven't made shots all the time, but they're sticking with it. And if that, if they can play that along with Steph going crazy, they have something. It's not a championship level team, but it's something. And it could, it could do some things. I still am surprised that this does not feel like a, a defense that you go, oh my God, in the playoffs, you got to watch out for this defense. TK, they're better than Milwaukee. They're better than San Antonio, the Clippers, the Pacers, the Celtics, Toronto. Like, all these teams you think are, like, these defensive teams. They're, like, way down there. The Clippers <laughs> are 14 at 110. The Clippers, like, they're loaded with defensive the players. The stat they keep pointing to is uh, field goal percentage defense. I think they're, like, number two maybe at this point. I think they just held the Spurs under 40% two straight games. They, in the half court, they force misses. Um, they, they continually force misses. Now, they don't rebound enough of them, and they foul way too much. But, yeah, I mean, like, you do not want to face this set defense. I mean, I think Draymond Green, who we can get into his season, which is which has been odd, but uh, he's still playing good defense. Post-James Harden Rockets are fourth in defensive efficiency right now. That is remarkable. Yeah, no, they're actually, they've got some good defensive components, young components, but go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I didn't, I was just interrupting you and interjecting with a non-secretary that had nothing to do with what we were talking about. So I apologize. I apologize for saying that. But Draymond is an interesting take, though, a conversation That's a good piece. segue. Yeah, yeah. What do we make of it? His numbers are good, other than scoring. If you, I mean, rebounding, I guess you'd put in there too. But you, you just look how he's, how he's, yeah. he always has turnovers. But you look how he's affecting the game. It's pretty positive. You just look. It's it's a positive effect. Again, sometimes it looks funky, and sometimes he shoots. The, he throws up a three at the end of a game when he shouldn't. But he affects, and I, you know, you see those guys. I love how have, he didn't duck it, TK. I love how he's like, yeah, that was just that was dumb. I'm, that was a smart dumb play. Smartest dumb play, yeah. I feel like that's the metaphor for his season. I feel like he did duck it, kind of. I feel like him saying, well, the Spurs always foul up three, even though his coach just said the Spurs don't foul up three. He panicked. He, yeah. It turned out he misread the situation, thinking the Spurs were going to foul, and they don't. 
it feels like a metaphor for a season though because he's out there making brilliant reads and then sometimes those brilliant reads and not even sometimes a lot of times those brilliant reads the ball goes over the backboard on the pass and it's just he's doing so many things like that where it's um he's making maddening decisions and brilliant reads all throughout the game it is so strange to behold the Draymond season and I think he's doing great plus minus wise even though he's shooting 34.8 percent from the field 1.95 from behind the arc this is a very odd odd it's like Rodman on steroids season and the shot is completely gone it's just completely gone but you know what he's playing defense still I mean again doesn't Maybe not the Draymond classic defense, but he affects the game. Yeah, he affects the game on defense. There's no question. You know, guys don't finish against the Warriors like they finish against other teams. That's one point I will say. I think the defense is not bad. They Ubre's in there too. Like they got these six foot five guys who other teams players can't finish over all the time. Well, Deontay Murray did pretty well, but there's just something there between that eat that that. Draymond has that is still working defensively the right position the right spot the right move he's a plus player he's still he remains he's amazingly a a plus player with an a, a, a shot that is about the worst it's ever been and I don't know if he's getting that one back I need to ask you guys then because look he did just have a very good road trip in general I would say I mean he had 15 assists 11 assists 11 assists 10 assists he had eight blocks I think on the road trip after remember we were talking about two blocks in his first 16 games this was probably his most impactful four game block but he did it at center and they have a rookie center who will be back maybe Thursday maybe Saturday but very soon how much do you think his effectiveness was the fact that he's played a bunch of five i mean every minute he played he was basically the five on the road also the opponent right these were opponents that really couldn't punish them for the lack of size on this road trip so i think that's a factor as well but it's both Bottle did some damage you know he also got burned in the second game but he did some damage that tells you all you need to know the only somewhat center who like attacks the offensive glass and he's really not that good you know jacob hortle really did have some effectiveness so guess what they're playing Vucevic coming up they're playing Drummond coming up you know what I mean like damn out of bio yeah so the larger question though is like how much center if he's more effective at center how much center should they I think he's better for the team at center but they still have to play Weissman that's what I think also I think this is another challenge to Steve Kerr's we're not chasing wins philosophy because I mean, if you're worried about burning down Steph, you got to be worried about burning down Draymond, right? And putting him too much at center, you know, unless you're unless you're thinking we can, we it's okay to burn Draymond right now. We're not thinking about him long term, but like Steph and Draymond are the tandem. Like those two are the ones who are going to get you the championship. Speaking of Wiseman, though. Um, and this whole center situation, the new Warriors Twitter turn right now is the LaMelo thing currently. Is that something we want to talk about? Whether the uh, Is it time to fire Bob? I mean, right? We, we were talking about firing Steve. Steve has saved his job. Bob still is got a time job? to fire Bob. <laughs> <laughs> Bob still worked for the Warriors? I don't know. I yeah. That. Ooh, someone's not returning phone calls. <laughs> it's the whatever whatever you saw last is the only thing that could ever happen ever again. And people haven't seen it. It also tells been. you, TK, what's going to happen in four years too, right? Like what's happening right now is yes, exactly, exactly how it's going to be. It, it never years. could be anything different than what you're seeing right now. Wiseman is the perfect position for them to draft. You know, they. What do I always say? Every game, the Warriors can't finish. They can't finish. They stumble around and they cannot. Finish. Steph can finish these days, but 
they're struggling. Even some of these open ones that, that JTA is getting, he's not making every single one of them. James Wiseman can finish. We've seen that. We know that already. They need athletic people who can finish at the rim. Wiseman has already shown that he's going to be elite at that. Again, it may not might not fit exactly to what they're doing now, but it will at some point, if he's playing well, be the thing that lifts them higher. Whether you think you know Lamelo is the the better player, Lamelo might be a better player. When you have Steph and and, and Clay, that, that that doesn't it's, the effect isn't going to be as much as opposed to when you have Terry Rozier and whoever. Oh, um, shots at Terry Rozier! <laughs> yeah, who I liked on Boston, by the way, but I do not like getting thirty four minutes ahead of ahead of Lamelo Ball right now. You got to look at the whole context of this. What do the Warriors need if they're going to be a great team to beat Denver, to beat the Lakers? They need a guy who can flush it. And just when the defense moves all towards Steph, can just flush it on teams. And that's James Wiseman. They're going to play him. Again, it might not look great this season, but Draymond can't play 34 minutes a game at center. And they have a guy who can give them at least 20 minutes a game at center and do some interesting things. It will be Wiseman, and, and he will be, for them, more valuable than Melo Ball. I'll speak as somebody who by no means expected LaMelo to be playing this well. It's truly impressive. At all. Um, by no means. The underscore. No not means. this quick, at least. Not this quick. No, yeah, Ethan didn't expect it at all. No, he watched no, five at all. NBL games. It was like, this is trash. <laughs> well, he did stink in the NBL. That's a fun, like. I mean, he shot 37%. I mean, there is this thing happening right now. I want to give credit to the people who were in on LaMelo because – I do think a lot of them saw something that I didn't. And Nate Duncan is included in that group of just loving the talent so much and that just next level A plus passing uh, that they thought he should have been the number one pick. And those people should get credit. But there are a lot of other people who did not express any such sentiment that are almost acting as though they did. And it's very <laughs> curious to watch the confidence people had about a player who shot 37% in the NBL. And what was it from three, 24, 25% that they just thought that he would be this guy? I, I don't think is the case. And I do think there should be a modicum, if not for Bob Myers, and at least for me, of just uh, sympathy for how difficult a draft this was to analyze, considering that we only got a few games and it was all cut off and you just had to make whatever assumptions you could make. And additionally, I would add, there's this idea that they – drafted Wiseman because LaMelo wouldn't fit in Steve Kerr's system. I don't think that's the case. I think Bob Myers wanted Wiseman, and that's why they have Wiseman. I think Joe Lagan wanted Wiseman too, by the way. Yeah, they drafted James Wiseman not because he was good in an interview. They drafted James Wiseman because he's seven foot one, uh, is probably already their fastest player, has made nine threes early in his career. I think he was top 10 in blocks when he got hurt. Uh, he has some intriguing skills, I must say. And the weird thing is, before he got hurt, I thought he kind of had a... Remember when he went to the... So he went to the bench right before that little Minnesota back-to-back. -back. He had, I think, three out of his next four games were very positive. He had, remember the 25 he had against Minnesota? Hit three threes in that game and like did some nice verticality. And then the Detroit game, he got hurt. He was really solid in that blowout. He had 11 and 9 in 17 minutes and then hurt his wrist. Yeah, he was number one in a redraft, and maybe this is something to track of how we would redraft it. And it is, as I said, potting with Slater, like those Jumbotron races where you've got the little different color cars and like, oh, the green one's ahead. And oh, here comes the red one. It feels that way when we look at a draft year one, year two, year three, or as we do on Twitter right now, game to game. And so right now the LaMelo car has just surged ahead of the other cars. Maybe that is... Uh, signature significant and that 
ends up telling the tale of how this is all going to go. But the way these things often go is that it's one guy one week, it's another guy the other week. I think we all remember when when Pascal uh, was the car that zoomed ahead for a week or two. And so we just have to take the long view of it. It's just, I guess what I'm trying to say is this. It might have been the wrong pick because it's easy to make the wrong pick. But I don't think in terms of process that it was made in that sort of flippant, stupid way of we're not going to take the most talented guy because we have a precious system. I don't think that's what went down. Uh, it wasn't you can call that. Me a, you can call me that. a Warriors apologist for saying so, but I'm just, you know, just don't think that's accurate. If you were to break it down, you put LaMelo on his team and not Wiseman, where is he playing? The question if he's is playing where? Like, if he's, he's playing no like question this. He's playing. Third, he third playing? guard, small lineups. He's Absolutely. playing Wanamaker's role, but he's also getting some of the Bazemore minute. You know, he, he's, That's he's, not what he's, he's doing playing. now. He's dominating. He's controlling entire games. Uh, one thing I will say that has very much impressed me, he's good off the ball. He's a very quick passer, quick decision maker. He would he, he would cuts. fit the Warriors. But so does James Wiseman. They both do. Yeah, he'd be the Warriors' second best rebounder, I think, <laughs> right now. But Wiseman fits. So he in, is he in, starting in a, in a for the Warriors? No, he's coming off the bench. Oh, yeah, but he's, he's coming. Bench, up, he was so. coming off the bench for for Charlotte for a while, which is no, that's uh, not lasting. Yet. No, no. Now he's starting. <laughs> it's not lasting. One thing I that think I have. Nice. One thing I think I have learned is there was two very good picks available to them, which I think before the draft we were unsure if there was any good picks available to them. Right? I, I think Wiseman's shown yes, he has this monster upside that we thought he would, and I think Lamelo's shown wow, he he has. I'm not saying he's going to be Jason Kidd, but he's got some of those immediate like Jason Kidd type qualities. If I was if I was looking for a team that should rue what happened in the draft already, it would be Phoenix. I say Minnesota. I thought you say poor Minnesota. Well, no, nah, I mean, like, honestly, Edwards has shown me a little bit, too, especially when he came in. Like, we'll see. I think he's shooting 38%. But, no, it's actually Phoenix at 10, taking Jalen Smith, reaching at the time. Everyone's like, man, this is the reach. They're taking a backup center, Jalen Smith, who's not in their rotation, doesn't play at all. Meanwhile, Tyrese Halliburton falls to 12, and he's probably second in the rookie of the year right now and is an immediate rotation guy for a Phoenix team that would, are like, needs him. So, to me, like, that's the one already were him. Popovich passed on him too I mean Vassals looks good but he's not Halliburton if you're not getting Wiseman who would you rather have the words have gotten LaMelo or not knowing what you know now or trade down and get another piece plus Halliburton Halliburton I, I I like Halliburton a lot a lot I like Halliburton a lot but I mean I need to see more of can he run a pick and roll because that's going to I think determine the ceiling that was the issue for Halliburton I loved Halliburton and he was the a statistically favored choice versus the style. But the reason why he fell to where he fell is that in college, he could not run a pick and roll and he did all these other little things, but that's why he slipped. He fits so, well next to Fox weirdly. And this, this shows you his intelligence. Apparently he saw that and tried to maneuver his way to Sacramento. That's like this, like kind of somewhat reported story um, out of Sacramento that he like kind of muscled his way there. But, it is situational. Um, I just think that one of the reasons why fans are expressing frustration is that the Warriors have not had a lot of success recently with their draft picks. And it's fair for the fans to question what's going on. You know, are you guys really light years if these picks aren't turning out? So I think that's informing. I mean, how can you say that and they got smiles each? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, I, I will say on, smi- on, on the old Geech, who might be the proper cut if they need to get everybody they need to get to make this playoff spot, I think he outplayed uh, Toscano Anderson in the G League last year. And so these things, again, are a little hard to predict. They're a little hard to project. 
And you should expect success overall in the grand sweep from your team if you're following them. But I think with some understanding that these things are not easy to figure out. Last thing I want to say is is some of these people that you know are talking about did the Warriors maybe make a mistake at two? A lot of them probably wanted the Warriors to trade two before the draft to just get off the asset, go get a Marcus Smart, go get a guy that can help win Steph Curry win now. Guess what? They use that second pick, and that is now a more valuable asset. James Wiseman will get you more in a trade now than if you had traded the number two pick two days before the draft, day of the draft. So in some ways, that's a front office win. Even, you know, maybe they missed out on LaMelo. At this point, probably if you put LaMelo and James Wiseman in the market, LaMelo would fetch more. But their asset has only spiked in value over the last couple of months, and that's that matters. And they've got two picks coming next season, theoretically. So, yeah, this is how you do it. This is an important couple weeks coming up for that Minnesota pick because I believe Carl Anthony Towns will be coming back in the next few days, and that is their one hope, right? Like, Carl Anthony Towns comes back, everything clicks, and then they rise up the standings a bit. If that doesn't work, then... But, you know, even if they rise up the standings a bit, they probably aren't, aren't making the playoffs, so Warriors are still looking at a possible... Lo- I guess know, I'm lock, talking you know. about that thread the needle, you yeah, get the you, fourth Yeah, you get that four, fifth, four, five, yeah. Uh, but eight isn't going to be terrible in this draft. It's just not. And so and I was talking to somebody like the Warriors, if, if the Warriors are 10 and losing the play-in, they're in the lottery and they might get one, two, or three. This is all part of the conversation. This is all, and, 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 and they don't have to worry about that one through 20 protection on their traded picks. So I think this is looking okay for them. I really do. And Wiseman is the right value for them. And you just have to remember that he does play. He doesn't just sit on the sideline all the time. He will get back in, and he will do some things that make it look very, very interesting for him into the, this season and beyond. So, again, like I like to end all these podcasts, the homestand is Magic Nets Cavaliers Heat. Three and one, I would say, is a success. I mean, the Magic, you should beat. The Nets are going to be tough. Although Durant is in quarantine all week, but it's supposed to get out Friday. And then the Cavaliers and it, like have been better than expected. The Heat have been worse than expected. Those are two winnable games. I say they got to aim for three one. They need to get some type of momentum. Yeah, I think two and two. Uh, yeah, I think Probably. two and two. I mean, that's the season, right? Just you know, equal the wins and losses, and that's what they're going to do. And if you just give a, a set group of games, it's either going to be five hundred or one above five hundred, and that's kind of what they've been. So I'll say two and two. I think they might lose to Orlando. I, I don't know that, but I, that I, that one Ooh. I can see is being a little tricky. But who, we'll see. We'll see. Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, it depends on who's back, right? And Loon, Loon is not coming back soon, right? Hey, they've already ruled him out through, I think, three games of this homestand. So. Two and two. Wiseman is the next to return. Yeah, that's this Magic game is going to be tough just because of Vucevic. Like, I mean, how fresh will Draymond be? That's that's going to be a big question. I think by Thursday night, it's possible you guys are going, wow, I didn't know the Magic was bad. <laughs> They're possible. I've only seen the Magic yeah, win. I've, I've seen them win, too. That's what I say. I've seen them win. <laughs> I've seen like three games, and they won. They've lost all of their best important players to injury. Fultz tore his ACL. Gordon's out for, I think, six weeks with a fractured ankle. Jonathan Isaac tore his ACL in the bubble. They're in like just... Franchise-wise, they're in a really okay. bad place. Maybe, maybe I'll change that. But so Cole Anthony, baby. Make a bet. <laughs> Cole Anthony will probably be getting a lot of minutes. I think the big story is Steph right now and whether he's going to throw more shots at Wiseman when he comes back. That's what I'm going to be watching for. Throw more shots? What do you mean? Threw a little shot. 
There was a little shot. Slater, do I lie? He brought him up. He brought he brought him up. He brought him yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, he brought him up on prompt. Did, uh, you know, the quote about, like, hopefully James is over there watching kind of like, it was after they scored 147 on the Mavericks and that he was watching kind of that fluid offense. And, and when he comes back, he can operate within that while dominating at the rim, I think was something like the quote. It was many. It wasn't subliminally he mentioned right. them. Yeah. They, I mean, they, they want something out of them. They, they see it's possible. So that that's probably sort of a good thing wasn't Draymond yelling at him. It was just Steph saying, hey, you know, here's how we're going to play. This is really be good if you're if you're playing like this. His re-injection will be interesting to, to monitor and, like, you know, how they implement small ball with him and, like, the style of play now that they found Does he start things. when they're coming back? Maybe not. If he doesn't start, they'll give him that little come in at the six-minute mark. Now, when he got hurt, Looney was playing, so he's coming back to a non-Looney lineup. My guess is yes, that they start him and pull him at six minutes for, like, a – Toscano Anderson that finished that first quarter with small ball, or maybe they flipped that on its head and go start wise. Or maybe they play him in the second ball. unit in mean, a couple minutes there. That wouldn't be terrible. I don't not wouldn't be great for Pascal, but that second unit could sure could use Wiseman pick a little dynamic athleticism. I think we shall see. All right, we're going too long here. We're going Jeez, too long. Orlando three and the three, three and fourteen. So Marcus and I have I've seen the three wins, but not the everything. <laughs> yeah, you guys are like that. Orlando wants dangerous. Orlando's <laughs> nice, man. Come on, nah, nah, it's all bad. Nah, only means they're gonna lose. Good show, fellas. Until next week.